Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, everybody, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you guys online. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and uh, staying engaged. But we'd love to see you in person whenever you're able and available. So come and join us. And uh, good to have everybody here in person with us today. Uh, I am Pastor Chris. Hey, uh, one quick announcement that I do want to make that's not on your Connect card, not in your bulletin, and that is next Monday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, uh, we begin our annual 40-day Easter fast. And a very you know similar to Lent, we just call it our annual uh, Easter fast. Forty days uh, begins next Monday, and it goes for forty days up, up until uh, Good Friday. And uh, we would love for you to participate. It's a great way uh, to prepare our hearts and our minds uh, spiritually for Easter weekend and what God's going to be doing uh, in and through our church, and not just our church, but around the world. It's uh, something we participate in with many, many other believers around the world. So if you are interested in being a part of that with us, we, we try to send out some little weekly uh, emails and encouragements for those of you uh, who sign up for that. Uh, on your Connect card, although it's not a box today, I believe it is online, um, but if you will just write the words, uh, Easter Fast or 40, 40, and we'll sign you up and you can be um, a part of that. So today, uh, we are in week five of this series uh, on the names of God, and believe it or not, so far in this series, I have yet to tell any like funny stories or jokes about people's names until today. So um, now, uh, you know, truthfully, you know, probably the main reason I really haven't told a lot of jokes about uh, people's names is, is usually they're kind of crude, you know? And then sometimes I honestly feel like the stories are a little bit more like urban legend, you know, than anything else. Like if you actually ask the person, you know, they claim to know somebody who had some name or they heard about some name, then you actually ask them about it. Um, no, I just, you know, heard someone else pass the story along. Uh, my, my wife's grandfather uh, worked for the health department somewhere, and he claims that there were um, a couple of kids with the names uh, Lamangelo and Arangelo. And it's spelled lemon jello and orange jello. And I guess, you know, maybe parents were in the hospital, couldn't really come up with any other name, and that looked pretty good. He, 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 he claims that there was also the name uh, Syphilis and Gonorrhea, which is spelled syphilis and gonorrhea. Um, now, Janet, my wife, actually went to, some, uh, went to school with somebody, a guy named Bendover. And so, um, I don't know. Anyway, and, and I asked around. I actually did. I asked uh, you know, some teachers and doctors uh, here at Coastal that they could maybe really verify that these weren't urban legend. I got a few back. Uh, one was Foeva, uh, P-H-O-Eva, Foeva, a blessing, was somebody's name, and somebody actually had the name, and I don't understand this one, Sterling, which sounds like, you know, that's a normal name, Sterling, Sterling Sharp. There's other people named Sterling, but their full name was Sterling Silver Bowl. So, um, I don't know. Uh, so, hey, do me a favor. If you are, you know, if you're in person, maybe it's a little bit more difficult, but on your Connect card, if you have, you know, you can verify. You actually knew somebody with a crazy name, write it down. But if you're online, leave a comment or, you know, just, a, you know, a name that you know is kind of silly, kind of crazy that you could verify, um, that you actually knew that person. Which leads me to Psalm 910. What a great segue. Uh, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken 
those who seek you. So hopefully by now we're all aware that in Scripture, God actually has names, that he you know, reveals himself to us uh, through very personal names. And uh, the Bible says right here, according to this verse, that those who know it, who know him, who have a personal relationship with him, will trust him. So what is it? You know, what's his name? Well, here's what gets kind of interesting today. Out of all the names for God, the ones that we've looked at, and the, all the names in the Bible, this particular name really is the most common. Um, and yet, it is a name that is rarely translated in our modern versions. Um, you probably notice that whenever you're reading Scripture and you see the word Lord, okay, Lord, sometimes it's capital L and little O-R-D, and other times it is capital L-O-R-D, again, all caps. Well, get this, there is a name behind the word Lord when it shows up in the Bible in all caps. Now, in Hebrew, uh, it's a word with four consonants, just four consonants, Y-H-W-H, that's what it would be in English. So scholars tell us that it was probably pronounced something like Yahweh. But that name was so revered that the Jews, they would not speak it out loud for fear that they might misuse it. And so even though it shows up more than 6,800 times in the Old Testament, whenever a Jew would come to the word Yahweh, they would say Adonai. And remember, we talked about that word earlier, which means Lord. And so our modern English translations have basically followed the same pattern, okay? They, they use the word Lord in all capital letters to signify that it's not just the word, the name Lord in kind of a generic sense, but it's an actual name, Yahweh, you know, an actual real name like Chris or Jason or Tim or something like that. So again, what, what is it? So today, to find out what it is, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. Now, this is the passage that is the passage where God taps Moses on the shoulder, basically, to lead his people out of captivity, okay, in Egypt. Now, at this point in his life, Moses is basically an 80-year-old fugitive and a murderer, okay, he's on the run, basically. For the last 40 years of his life, he has been living as a shepherd in obscurity. And remember, he went from a life of luxury, you know, being raised as royalty in Pharaoh's house, in his court, to, you know, I mean, somebody, again, who had full of promise, full of potential, and now he is a fugitive, a nomad living in the desert. But as we've seen time and time again, God is not done with him. God is going to call him and personally reveal himself uh, to Moses. And as he reveals himself, as he reveals his name, we are going to continue to learn a few things about God. So one of the first things that we discover uh, is that God is ever-present. He is ever-present. If you're taking notes, write that down. Yahweh is ever-present. Present. So Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, stop right there for just a moment. Again, Moses has been tending the flock of Jethro, okay, his father-in-law. Now, strangers would have been, you know, passing that, that way. They would have barely noticed, you know, barely noticed Moses out there, you know, tending, you know, the sheep in the desert. He'd been doing this for a long time. Now, 40 years earlier, this, this unknown shepherd was a prince. You know, he was a, a big man in a big place. But that was then. You know, now the most recent entry on his resume would read 40 years, shepherd, okay? That's it, 40 years, shepherd in a desert. And he thinks he's there for life. He, he thinks this is now, you know, just a life sentence. You know, he had his shot 40 years ago, but he absolutely blew it. So it's over, that's what he thinks. And so this is just a, you know, another ordinary day in the desert for Moses the shepherd. But the ordinary is about to become extraordinary. And it starts with this bush that evidently is on fire, but it's not burning up. And then here's the phrase that I really want you to notice today. There where it says, where he says, I will go over and see this strange sight. I actually like how the New American Standard Bible translates it. It says, I must turn aside. I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burning up. I like that. Because Moses did not have to turn aside. I mean, think about it. He did not have to go over. God doesn't force him. I mean, he's come by, I'm sure he has passed this ordinary bush a hundred thousand times, you know, before. And, you know, never noticed anything different. But on this day, it does become extraordinary because God is going to meet him there. It is on fire, but evidently it's not burning up. And my point is, he could have just you know, kept on going with the sheep. He could have looked the other way. You know, he could have ran home and, and kept it to himself because he didn't want to you know, come across as crazy or something. You know, like maybe you know, somebody had a UFO sighting and they just kind of see it and then they run and keep it to themselves. He could have done all that. But he would have missed his calling. He would have missed the exodus. He would have missed the birth of, a, of God's new community. He would have missed the very reason, evidently, for his existence. He would have missed knowing God, having a personal relationship with God. You see, the world was never the same because he turned aside. So here's the question for you today. How are you doing at turning aside? How are you doing at turning aside when, when God wants to speak to you? I mean, how hard is it for, for this God who, again, is, what, ever-present to get your attention? Do you regularly practice turning aside throughout your day? That is, you know, taking a moment to listen to God because God, Yahweh, through the Holy Spirit, listen to this, he's speaking all the time. 
I mean, every bush is filled with the presence of God. There is not an inch of space. Every sunrise is filled with the presence of God. Again, every inch of space, not a moment of time in which God does not inhabit. So how are you doing at turning aside? Listen, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what, you're, what you've done, you know, what you think about, you know, how terrible your story might be. You might even be a murdering fugitive on the run like Moses. But God is still trying to get your attention. He's still trying to get you to turn aside, to go over, to hear his voice. Listen, why do you think you're here today? You're not here by accident. Our God inhabits every inch of this space. The Bible says that he even inhabits, you ready for this? The praises of his people. In other words, he's been all up in this place today. He is here. And maybe, just maybe, he's trying to get your attention. To get you to turn aside to listen to his voice, to allow him to reveal more of himself to you. So God gets his attention. And after he went over to get a closer look, verse four tells us that um, God spoke from within the bush, personally calling him by name, Moses, Moses. And he responds, here I am. Look at verses five through eight. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. By the way, Yahweh is also holy. You might write that down today. It's not a blank, but just write that down. Yahweh is, is holy. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his, vo hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Now, stop there again. I want you to underline those phrases or circle them on your outline. I have seen the misery. I have heard them crying. I am concerned about their suffering. Man, I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that God is concerned about our suffering, that he is moved by our misery. Yes, God is, is holy, but he is not distant or aloof. He is ever present. He's not distracted by more important world matters than, than you. No, he is here, he's present, and he hears us when we cry. He sees us when we suffer. Listen to the words of Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me, such as. You, you know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Loved ones, what, what is it? What is it today that you're going through right now that might have you all tied up in knots? What is it that, that you're dealing with that, that keeps you up at night where you can't sleep? Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe it's your health, your kids, your marriage. 
your finances, listen, whatever it is, this is a reminder to us today that Yahweh, he is ever present and he hears the cries of his people. And not only is Yahweh ever present, but number two, he is also highly personal. Highly personal. Now jump back to our story. As, as God hears the cries of the Israelites, not only is he concerned, but he tells Moses that he is personally going to intervene. Remember at the end of that passage I just read, I have come down to rescue them. And I got a feeling Moses is like, woo, yes, yes, yeah, right. Go God, man, it's about time. God, you go get him. And then God explains that he's going to use Moses to do it. He's gonna use Moses to confront Pharaoh and set the people free. Now Moses, of all people, knows what that would be involved. What's involved with that? I mean, Pharaoh is the most powerful man on the planet, the head of the mightiest uh, army on planet Earth. And yet God said, yep, that's the plan. You. Now Moses then offers a series of objections. You know, reasons, at least for him he thinks they're reasons why, you know, God's got it wrong. Okay? God's got it wrong and there's no way that he, Moses, can do it. Now what I want you to see is that as God responds to each one of Moses' uh, objections, he continues to reveal a little bit more about himself. And then very specifically this new name. So his first objection is, who am I? I mean, God, who am I? Verse 11, follow along. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now I can kind of you know, imagine you know, Moses thinking in his heart and mind, you know, God, man, come on. I mean, if you had come to me like 40 years ago, when I was younger, you know, I was highly educated, I had status, I was strong. You know, Pharaoh actually liked me back then. I mean, maybe I could have done something then, but now, God, you're late. You're too late. I'm just a broken down old shepherd in the desert. I'm a fugitive. I'm a murderer. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I can't do what you ask. And my point today is that we've all said those words. Now, we may not have ever killed somebody like Moses did, but my guess is we all know what it's like to have a heart weighted down with guilt and shame and to spend lonely moments in the middle of the night looking up at the ceiling, just wishing and praying that we could, have, that we could take something back that we could go back in history and change time and change what we did. We've all said those words, God, I can't do it. God, don't get your hopes up on me. And, and my guess is some of you are here today, many of you watching online, and you are still beating yourself up. You live in guilt, you live in shame over something, something from your past, and you're constantly crying out, God, who am I? God, I'll tell you who I am, you know. I, I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer, I've had an abortion, I've broken some serious vows, I'm a failure, I'm an addict. That's who I am. And so this is what I want you to hear today, and maybe this is why God brought you to this place today, because he wants to say to you what he said to Moses in verse 12, I will be with you. 
I'll be with you. That's his answer. God's saying, listen, I know. I know who you are. Doesn't matter a bit. It's absolutely irrelevant. I will be with you. Your sin and guilt, your limitations, your shortcomings, they are no longer the ultimate truth about you. Because from this day on, I, Yahweh, I will be with you. He is not just ever present. Man, he is highly, highly personal. You see, this, my friends, is the promise of God's grace. His grace. Don't you see Moses again? This old broken down, runaway fugitive murderer is invited now to live in the grace of God. And some of you, this is your greatest need. Grace. Some of you are here, you're you're watching this online, and you've not yet gotten grace squared away in your life. I mean, you know the stories, right? You've come to you know, church a few times, and you know, maybe even a lot, and, and you realize, yeah, sure, I've heard that Jesus died on the cross. He was a substitute you know, payment for me, for my sin. And uh, you, know, you, you know the stories. You understand you know, that forgiveness is available, and you know, it's offered as a, as a free gift, and that new life, new life is available for following Jesus. But you have not, yet personally responded. You've never humbled yourself and bowed the knee and asked Jesus to be your Savior, your friend, your Lord. Today is your day. This is your time. This is your moment. Maybe, just maybe, this is your burning bush experience. Because, listen, right now, it might be that it's as if your your heart is pounding out in your chest right now because you know, you know what God is saying to you. Hey, do not leave this, this space today. Don't leave this service today without settling this issue. Today is your day of salvation. Live in freedom in God's grace, accept Christ into your life and receive forgiveness. God said to Moses, I will be with you. Now, what do you think Moses' next objection is? You ready for this? Well, God, who are you? I mean, it kind of follows a little logic, logical pattern here, right? Look at verse 13. Moses said to God, okay, you know, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now, when Moses is asking for God's name, he's not looking for, you know, a name tag or a label. Remember, we talked about that when we kicked this series off. Remember, a name is much deeper than that. A name in the Old Testament has to do with somebody's character, their their identity. And so he's asking here about God's intentions. He's basically saying, God, listen, am I gonna have access to you? You're asking me to do this, but will you help me? Will you answer prayer? Will you listen? Can I get through to you? Or is the line always gonna be busy? God, what's your name? God's answer I am who I am. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And and, and part of what that means is what God goes on to say in verse 15. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. In other words, this is what he was saying. I am the one true God. I am the God who cares for people. I am the one who has seen the misery of my children when they thought I wasn't looking. I've heard their groans when they thought I wasn't listening. I am the God who saw you, Moses, when you were in the reeds, when you were hidden as a baby. I am the God who saw you laboring in the desert when you fled as a fugitive. I am the God who is speaking to you in the burning bush. I am the God of the manger at Christmas. I am the God of the cross at Easter. I am the God of the empty tomb. I am. That's who I am. And so this becomes a defining moment in the history of, of God dealing with humanity. And God says to Moses and he says to all of you, all of us, I want to be known. I, I, I want you to know me by name. And so Moses first says again, who am I? Who am I? And, and God responds, it doesn't matter who you are because I'll be with you. And then Moses responds, but okay, but who are you? And he says, I'm the one true God and you can get to know me. I am Yahweh. You can have a personal relationship with me. I am present, I am holy, and I am personal. And then number three, he's also all-powerful. Yahweh is all-powerful. That leads us to Moses' third objection. This is funny. Well, what do I have? What do I have? Chapter four, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? That's God's answer, by the way. Write that down. What's in your hand? That's how he responds. And then Moses replies, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, picture that for just a second, okay? On the odd chance that you are going to pick up a poisonous snake, where do you think you would grab it? I mean, come on. I mean, if you had to do it, you would grab it right behind the head, right? Because, you know, if you pick it up by the tail, unless you know that snake very, very well, that puts you in a very, very deadly situation. And God says, what's that in your hand? And then he goes on, you can read this for yourself, he goes on to take Moses' hand and he makes it leprous and then he restores it. God says, Moses, I will use whatever it is that you've got Take your staff that you have been using you know, to herd sheep. Take your hand, a part of the body that I made and that I gave you, and then just give it to me. Don't you see? I can do amazing things with them if you'll trust me. Trust me enough to give me what's in your hand. So the question for all of us today is this. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? You go through scripture, you know, maybe a few loaves and a few fish. 
Well, you give them to God, they feed 5,000. What's in your hand? Five talents given to God, they become 10. What's in your hand? Just a little, little seed given to God, it bears fruit a hundredfold. What's in your hand? Well, just five rocks, five smooth stones. You give them to God, one of them lands squarely in the forehead of a giant and knocks him on his butt. God says, don't worry about what the things that you can't control. You just give me unhindered access to what you do have. And I'll do amazing things. What's in your hand? You know, one of the most common excuses that people seem to give for not doing something great for God or not attempting something for, great for God is that, well, I just don't have blank. You know, but if and when they get blank, then sure, I will do whatever it is God wants me to do. Write this down. If you're not faithful with what we have now, if we're not faithful with what we have now, then how in the world are we supposed to, God's supposed to trust us when he wants us to do something next? If we're not faithful with what we have now, then how in the world is he supposed to trust us with what he wants us to do next? Listen, stop focusing on what you don't have. God wants you to trust him and simply give him unhindered access to what you have now. So what's in your hand? You know, some of you have, you know, a certain possession, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's money, it's resources, it's talents. It's a particular gift. You know, maybe it's clothes, maybe it's food. Hey, listen, guess what? This coming Saturday, we've got a Saturday serve here at Coastal. What's in your hand? You got a little bit of time? Man, you give that to God. You give him unhindered access to what you have. He will do amazing things through you and through this church. You got a little bit of food? My guess is everybody in this room has got canned goods that you ain't eaten in like a year, and they're just sitting there. Now, most of the time, we don't want those, but we want, we want the ones that haven't expired. You know, listen, bring them. You got clothes sitting in your closet. You know, uh, you know, I don't know if you're like most people, you got like, you know, four levels of clothes, you know, skinny, not so skinny, fat, not fat, fatter, you know, like, hey, what are you wearing now? What don't you need? Bring it. Don't take it to goodwill. You bring it here because we don't sell it. We give it away. What's in your hand? Show up this Saturday at 8.30 here at Coastal. Man, We'll, we'll, put, we'll put you to work serving and loving our community, being the hands and feet of Jesus. So God walks through this whole thing with Moses. And you'd kind of think, right, that by now, you know, man, he is ready to sign on, right? Some of you may be like, woo, I'm being here, Pastor Chris. Uh, Saturday serve, I'm in, right? You know, food, clothes, I'll bring it. I, we'll do it. Well, you'd think Moses would be kind of ready, but he's not, I mean, this story really paints him in rather human, fallible terms. Exodus 4.10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Lord, I can't do it. I don't have it in me. I can't talk, I can't lead, I'm afraid. 
And God says, not only will I be with you, not only will I work my power through you, but I'll also provide for you, Moses. I'll I'll help you speak. I'll give you the words to say. Verse 13, but Moses said again, pardon your servant, Lord. Please find someone else. Wow. And then verse 14, sin shivers down my spine. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I don't want my name put in the place of Moses' name in that sentence. Do you? I want to make sure you see this. Even though Moses is weak in his faith, even though that angers the Lord, you know what the good news is? God still has mercy and compassion on him. He goes on to tell Moses, take your brother Aaron with you, and you can whisper in his ear the things that I've told you, and he can tell the people. Man, I just, I just love that about God. Because we're just like Moses. We don't always trust him. And many times we just outright doubt him. And then we're, we're just like this. We're always looking for loopholes, you know, to get out of doing what he wants us to do. And we come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. But he will always provide just what we need to accomplish what he is calling us to do just like he did for Moses. Why? Because he is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He is holy, but he is also highly personal, ever-present, and all-powerful. You know, interesting thing about this whole story. You never find out what happened to the burning bush. You know, think about it. You don't. I mean, you find out what happened to Moses, what happened to Aaron, the children of Israel, what happened to Pharaoh, what happened to the soldiers, but you never find out what happened to this burning bush. You know what I think today? You know what I feel in my heart? I think it's still burning. I think it's still burning today. I think God is waiting for you. He's waiting for his people to turn aside. I think God's waiting for that right now. He's waiting for you. Yahweh, he is calling your name right now. Respond to him just like Moses did. Here I am, Lord. Respond to him, receive his grace through Christ, and then give him unhindered access to what's in your hand. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, the great I am, Yahweh, the Holy One, ever-present, highly personal, and all-powerful. Thank you today for your grace that when we are just like Moses, you still respond to us with compassion. And listen, if you are here today and you are not yet living under the grace of God that has been provided for you, listen, it's Jesus. He is God's son. He was the sacrificial lamb for your sin. You're a sinner, like all of us, in need of a savior. And one has been provided, but you have to respond in faith. You have to humbly admit it, bow your knee, and ask him to be your savior today, your Lord. You could do that right now. Just simply ask him. Just pray that prayer. 
And for those of you who have already done that, you've already received Christ by faith, you, you, you have believed you, that, that Jesus is your Savior, that he rose from the dead, that he's alive, you've settled that with God, that, that you've received his grace. Listen, what's in your hand today? What have you been holding back? You know, is it time? Is it money? Resources? You know, think creatively. What is in your hand that God would want you to use as a blessing to others? What's in your hand? Father, we love you. Thank you today for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.